News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to the Luke Messiah Show. We have another legislative week in front of us. We are in the middle of a legislative session that is just getting around to thinking about getting to work. And in the Senate, they are already getting to work. They're having committee meetings. Their finance committee has already been in meetings. Um, Their business and commerce committee met, which leads to a little bit of drama that we will get to here in just a minute. And the Speaker of the Texas House finally appointed committees in the Texas House of Representatives. So we're going to break those down for you this week and tell you why they matter for those of you who are following along in Texas politics. Committee assignments are incredibly important. Several of the people that get committee slots on certain policy committees uh, get them by their seniority, and the rest are appointed by the Speaker of the House, who also appoints the chairman. And the chairman in the Texas House of Representatives have sole discretion on what bills are allowed to have any action taken on them. They can decide whether a bill gets a hearing. After it's heard, they can decide whether it ever comes up for a vote. They could literally sit on a bill for the entire session and never do anything about it just because they as the chairman want to, okay? So they are the king over this policy arena, which is why Representative Brian Slayton two years ago started the movement to stop Democrat chairman. Democrat chairman at all. All Democrat chairs. Bride Slayton came in and said, look, we don't need Democrat chairmen to exist in the Texas House of Representatives because they use their power appropriately. They kill Republican legislation. And or what you don't see and what we can't just uh, document for you easily is that they now have this leverage. So Democrat chairs will come up to Republicans and say, hey, I'll give your bill a hearing in business and industry, but you have to move my bill out of your committee. And now all of a sudden bad policy is moving forward. So they'll, they'll move the Republican policy, but you now give them leverage that they use to get more bad policy out of the process. Okay, before we get into committees, let's talk about the Senate committee hearing that happened last week, which was the Business and Commerce Committee and Representative, or I, I'm so used to calling him Representative, but now Senator Phil King stepped in as the chair of that hearing. And why did that happen? Because Senator Charles Schwartner was arrested the night before this hearing for uh, driving under the influence. And it's a really interesting story that Texas Scorecard has covered, but I want to give you all a little bit of historical context to the rise and the fall of Senator Schwartner. Senator Schwartner was shortly in the Texas House of Representatives, and then he quickly ran for the Senate. His brother was a regent at Texas A&M University. There's a city named after his family, Schwartner, Texas. He is He honestly, at the time, had really carefully bridged the ideological divides within the Republican Party. He had supporters on the right side of the party, and he was also supported by the Texas Medical Association and groups that were more in the uh, middle or the left part of the Republican Party. He did a good job aligning himself with Dan Patrick early on. He was in a good position to be a prominent senator within the Dan Patrick Senate because he was elected there prior to Dan Patrick getting elected as lieutenant governor. But... He was caught in a scandal, and that scandal was that some student on a university uh, at UT uh, said they were texted a picture of Senator Schwartner, unclothed. And so this became an investigation. Ultimately, uh, they 
determined that he himself did not send the picture of himself unclothed to this student. Um, it was never determined that a picture of himself unclothed was not sent to the student. So that's kind of a weird little twist in this investigation, right? It's like, well, we, you didn't send it, okay? But it might be that somebody else sent it, and it might still be of you. Um, and so that happens, and through this scandal, he is kind of removed in prominence in the Senate. He's put in the penalty box, which happens. And at that point in time, he kind of rides low, keeps his head down, waits for his opportunity. And this guy prior to this scandal was like going to be the next comptroller of Texas. Everyone was saying this person has major statewide potential. And he has been a more conservative Republican within the chamber over the years. So Kelly Hancock last session sided with, we talked about this two years ago on our podcast, but he sided with Greg Abbott and Chris Patty in the Texas House when it came to the grid and the power companies. And Dan Patrick decided as a result of that to remove him as business and commerce chair and to replace him with Senator Schwartner. So this is Senator Schwartner's opportunity to get back into probably being one of the five most powerful senators in the chamber. And so he's there. He's ready to take the helm. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says his number one priority this session is the grid. The number one priority of his this session is the grid. And that is at the Business and Commerce Committee. And then the night before, the very first committee hearing on the number one issue of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick this session, the person who he's appointed as chair is arrested for driving under the influence. His lawyer now says, hey, when he called me, he was completely lucid. He was fine. The guy was clear, speaking clear as a whistle. I don't know what kind of evidence they think they have that says this guy's drunk because I didn't sense any of it, which is weird because when Senator Shortner came out of the jail, he literally walked up to the cameras and said, I'm sorry to the citizens that I serve and to my family. I made a mistake, which tends to imply that you did something you know you shouldn't have done. And now your lawyer's out there saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how this guy did anything bad. But thus is that's, that's kind of how our criminal justice system works. And so we're going to follow this along. But Senator Phil King, who's an incoming freshman and somebody who's been over this type of policy for a very long time, he was, I think it was called the Regulated Industries Committee, which actually was done away with. Uh, but that was a Tom Craddock committee, which Phil King chaired and handled a ton of these type of issues. And so Phil has overseen this policy for a long time and did a great job kind of filling in as the vice chair of business and commerce for that committee. So that will likely benefit other members on that committee. And, and Senator Schwartner, uh, we will see how this affects his session. I will say that over the last couple of years too, over the last two years specifically, Senator Schwartner has gone from being one of the more conservative senators in the chamber to continually moving to the middle. And I actually would, would now count him among one of the five or six more liberal Republican senators in the chamber. And so if he were to be removed and somebody more conservative to replace him, that would benefit conservatives in Texas. Okay. Let's talk about the Texas House committees because uh, Speaker Phelan finally got around to it. We told you about this, but he literally took forever to appoint committees, and he did that on purpose. And now the question is, how quickly are these going to committees going to get to work. We see this across the internet. Every Republican state representative keeps saying, I'm ready to get to work, but they don't seem that ready because they're not really getting to work very fast. 
So let's break down these committees. I'm going to go A to Z through these committees and give you a little bit of insight into what's happening. So first is the Agriculture and Livestock Committee. Um, Representative Briscoe Kane, who's the only Freedom Caucus member to get a chairmanship. He was one of two last session. Matt Krause was chairman of General uh, Investigating Committee, but uh, Briscoe Kane was moved from the Elections Committee to the Agriculture and Livestock Committee. This is a loss for conservatives, okay? And we'll get to there when we get to the Elections Committee. The Elections Committee is considerably less conservative this session. So for those of you who are fighting to reform our elections, for those of you who are fighting to make our elections actually auditable again, right? This is the main problem we have with all of these machines. You cannot really audit the elections. So Representative Brian Slayton, thank God he fought to make sure that we could go in and actually audit the Harris County elections. But here's the truth. An audit is really just like a synopsis of what happened. You can't go in and actually recount all of these machines. And many of the machines are reset at different times. And then you can't go in and actually get the same numbers you got before. There's not enough regulations around the entire system that's put together. So while Senator Hall is literally working to make elections auditable again through a myriad of very good bills he's put together, and many of you Texans out there support this reform, you should know that the Elections Committee, which was chaired by Representative Briscoe Kane last session, is now chaired by Representative Reggie Smith. And it is a much less conservative committee, just pure and simple. So it is way harder to get election integrity out of the Texas House this session. Agriculture and Livestock, though, is chaired by Representative Briscoe Kane. So if we want anything rurally and agriculturally livestocky done, uh, we should have an easier time this session as conservatives than we had before. The Appropriations Committee really isn't anything worth uh, focusing on too much, but Greg Bonin is ultimately still at the helm of that, and he will be the one that drives the ship and determines whether we actually provide meaningful property tax relief. We talked to Tim Harden last week about this issue, the fact that uh, at least half of the surplus is $16.5 billion. The current budget only funds $9.7, I think, billion of new property tax relief. It might be $9.3 or $9.7, but it's less than $10 billion of actual new property tax relief that is funded. And so there has to be some serious people in the Appropriations Committee to get serious about that. The good news is that uh, reps, there are a couple conservatives on this committee, Representative Steve Toth, who was there last session, Gary Gates, Carrie Isaac. Uh, Carrie Isaac has said that she believes we need all of it to go back to taxpayers. She now changed her tune at the Freedom Caucus press conference to say some, but hopefully that means at least half, which means uh, that we would see those members fight to actually demand that there be at least $15, $16 billion of new property tax relief that is given. The next committee is the Business and Industry Committee. And this is the first committee. In fact, while we get into this, we're going to talk about Democrat chairman as a whole. So the Business and Industry Committee is one of two committees in the Texas House where a majority of members on the committee are Democrats, okay? And that was done by design of Speaker Phelan because he appointed Oscar Longoria to chair it, who wasn't appointed there by seniority. And then he went in and actually gave Jessica Gonzalez of Dallas a seat as well. So it lit he literally gave five Democrats and four Republicans the Business and Industry Committee. In what world do you think we should have five Democrats deciding what kind of bills are allowed? What bills regarding business and industry 
should move in the Texas House of Representatives. That is absolutely ridiculous, crazy, insane, irresponsible. But the good news is that Democrats as a whole were reduced in their power. So two years ago, Brian Slayton offered two amendments. One was a complete ban. And then the second was a partial ban. He said, look, if Democrats aren't going to be banned from every committee, they should be banned from this list of committees. Okay. It was the big ones, the state affairs, the appropriations, the public education, so on and so forth. Speaker Phelan appointed Democrats to chair two of the larger committees that Brian Slayton said should not have Democrats on them. So he basically said, we're going to kill both your amendments and then we're going to come in and appoint Democrats not only over the small committees, but also over some significant committees as well. Because of all the mounting pressure from the Texas GOP, from Matt Rinaldi, from Brian Slayton, from all the grassroots who have organized on this issue and pushed very hard, Speaker Phelan went from having 13 chairs of the standing committees to eight. Eight of the standing committees are chaired by Democrats. That is five that were taken away. Pensions and investments, which will oversee likely a lot of the ESG legislation. This is one that Brian Slayton literally talked to the delegates about, said, why do we have a Democrat on pensions and investments? That came, that got stripped and a Republican put in place of the Democrat there. Same thing with public education. So when it comes to sexualizing our kids and all these things, those type of policies have a better chance in a Republican-led committee of public education. And I will also argue when we get to that committee that school choice has a better chance too. But business and industry is not only chaired by a Democrat, but a majority of the members on that committee are Democrats. That's absolutely crazy. The calendars committee hasn't changed a lot. This is the committee that when they had gender modification, decided to put it at the very bottom of the calendar so that Democrats could kill it. A lot of the Republican members who voted to do so, Cole Hefner, Jared Patterson, Shelby Slauson, they have been rewarded with continuing to keep their seats on that committee. And to some extent, their silence on that issue was rewarded. So the fact that they were willing to take the bullet and to put it way down there on the calendar where it could get killed and not say anything about it, that tells leadership, you need to keep these people in power, right? These are the type of people that will do the dirty work, get their hands dirty, and not throw anybody under the bus after it happens. The Corrections Committee oversees our prisons, and it also is the second committee that not only has a Democrat chair, but a majority of lawmakers on that committee are Democrats. Um, I believe that was it, if I'm correct. One, two, three, four, five. Yep. So Corrections Committee. Uh, guys, this oversees the prison system. Whether or not this has as big implications as business and industry is yet to be determined. We will definitely be letting you know if there are significant policies that make their way through that uh, committee, right? Let's say you file a bill that says you can't have any, you know, we're not paying for sex change surgeries in the prison system. And then they're like, well, that's, we're going to let the corrections committee decide. And so that's the kind of situations, um, as the, the next committee that we'll talk about is a criminal jurisprudence committee. And the criminal jurisprudence committee is, by the way, the criminal jurisprudence committee is chaired by Joe Moody. And he was the one who was the speaker pro tem has now been removed and given, the chairmanship over criminal jurisprudence. Now understand this, literally we are dealing crime versus law and order. Reckless crime versus law and order is one of the biggest battles between Democrats and Republicans right now, nationwide and in the state of Texas. Why the heck are we giving Joe Moody the chairmanship over criminal jurisprudence? 
Any legislation regarding criminal jurisprudence has to go through a very liberal Democrat, not a moderate Democrat, not a reasonable Democrat. This is a Democrat. And by the way, you can go to Texas Scorecard and literally read a profile of Joe Moody. Joe Moody, the Democrat in charge of the House Criminal Jurisprudence Committee. That is the story. And let me explain something to you. This guy has blamed violent crimes on guns. He's blamed blamed Republicans for hate mongering. Okay. He literally says Republicans are hate mongers because they won't let sanctuary cities exist in Texas. We have told cities you cannot intentionally harbor illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. And he said, these people are filled with hate and they're the reason there's violent crime across our, our state. This guy was given the chairmanship of the criminal jurisprudence committee. This guy wants to abolish the death penalty, abolish the death penalty. And he's in charge of the criminal jurisprudence committee. He wants to create a registry of some gun sales. He wants red flag laws. This is the guy who Dade Phelan decided should be in charge of criminal jurisprudence. So that's crazy. Culture, recreation, and tourism is a committee that has a, it's a lot of fundraising potential. There's a lot of good parts of this committee if you're a state representative. Trent Ashby is the chair. Trent Ashby is somebody who was not in Dayfield's original team. He got back into his good graces during the special sessions when he created a select committee and had Trent Ashby chair it. So everyone knew Trent was kind of kind of come back into the good graces of Dayfield and be part of the leadership team. And that was cemented when he was given a chairmanship um, under Dayfield. You then go to the elections committee, which we already kind of overviewed, but the reality is that this is much more controlled by Dade Phelan. Reggie Smith is the chair. Dustin Burroughs is the chair of calendars. And Giovanni Capriglione, who's the chairman of pensions and investments. These are people very loyal to the speaker. They're on the committee. Uh, Dustin Burroughs actually used his seniority to request the elections committee, which tells you that they are wanting to make sure that they have their hands in this. Understand that Dustin Burroughs could have requested a lot of different committees with his, with his seniority. He requested elections. Why? Because they want to be heavily involved in this process. So if you see conservative legislation not moving forward, you can assume that Dade Phelan is very involved in making sure that that does not move forward. Ultimately, you have a number of other committees. Uh, we're not going to go through every single one. I'm going to try to focus on the ones that matter more to you. I'll tell you one that stood out to me was the Higher Education Committee. This committee is worse. It's so bad, guys. It's very, very, very bad. I almost said it's worse than it ever has been. I don't know if that's true. I'd have to go back and look at every higher education committee that's existed over the last 16 years that I've seen. But I'll tell you this, this this committee is chaired by John Kempel, who's a very liberal Republican. Travis Clardy's on this committee. John Rainey, uh, Dustin Burroughs, very liberal Republicans with a ton of liberal Democrats. Dwayne Burns is a relatively conservative Republican with Dennis Paul. But I mean, two members that are more conservative than the rest of the entire committee isn't saying much. You cannot move considerable conservative legislation through this committee as it stands. Okay. So that is a, a real downfall, especially with the fact that higher education is literally become a massive government subsidized indoctrination program for our young adults. And so that is less than ideal. Um, if we, if we continue to go through, you have human services. James Frank is still the chair there that oversees a lot of the CPS, parental rights reform, insurance, international relations, economic development, judiciary, and civil jurisprudence. All of these different committees 
committees, uh, I would say, largely stayed the same. Harold Dutton, who was the chairman of public education, is now the chairman of Juvenile Justice and Family Issues. And this is a committee that's going to be very important this session because any changes to the family court system go through this committee. Uh, Victoria Niave was chairman last session. I would say that Harold Dutton, who's also a very liberal Democrat, is better than Victoria Niave. That might prove to be kind of meaningless if they're both Democrats and won't actually see substantive reforms to the family court process. But we, as as we've covered the James Younger case and other things like that throughout Texas, it's an incredibly important committee. It's sad to see that uh, Dade Phelan decided to continue to give Democrats sole discretion and power over our family court system. That is not helpful at all, um, but it is what it is. And then we have um, – Local and Consent, Cody Harris is chair of Local and Consent. Uh, he is a – I think this is his third session. He's somebody very close to Dennis Bonin. He's very close to Dustin Burroughs. He's very close to Dade Phelan. And so uh, he continues to see his uh, loyalty to them and, and his work in, to work very closely within leadership to be rewarded and continues to move up the leadership ladder. So Cody Harris um, is now walking into their natural resources, overseeing a lot of our water policy and stuff like that. Tracy King is the chair there. He is a Democrat. Uh, and and it's not a good thing that he was given the chairmanship. Uh, it's a very powerful committee that oversees a lot of policy. It's very important to Texas. Probably he's one of the less, he, he is one of the most conservative Democrats that exist. Okay. So on water policy, we will have less disagreements with him uh, than we would in other places. Public education committee. I'll tell you what I think about the public education committee. I believe that there is a majority one vote on this committee to pass school choice, pure and simple. Um, that's what I believe. I think Dade Phelan, did it because he was trying. I'll give you the pause. I'll give you the pessimistic and the optimistic view of what Dade Phelan just did with the public education committee. So it is undeniable. It is objectively true that he made the public education committee better for school choice. Okay. That is true. When you compare last session's education committee to this session's education committee, it is better for school choice. That being said, Cody Harris, Brad Buckley, these are two Republicans on the committee who have voted against school choice repeatedly in the past, okay? But the truth is that they make most of their decisions not based on the policy in front of them, but based on who is telling them to do what. That's why they are rewarded with these positions. And so if Greg Abbott and Dade Phelan tell them we have to pass some form of school choice, they will pass a form of school choice. If they tell them, look, y'all do whatever you want to do, then left to their own devices, they will not support school choice. But basically what Dade Phelan did, if I was to be pessimistic about it, I would say he built a committee that he can look at Greg Abbott and say, hey, look, you see the path to school choice through this committee just like I do. But it's not too crazy so the, so the teacher unions can't get super ticked at me. Or optimistic view. So, so pessimistic view is that he gave Abbott the hope. And Dan Patrick, like he doesn't want to pick a fight with Abbott and Patrick so early on. So he's saying, see – it can pass, but really what he knows is at the end of the day, Cody Harris or Brad Buckley or one of them is going to fall on the sword, kill school choice, and then Dave Phelan's going to be like, hey, man, I'm sorry I tried. That's the pessimistic view. The optimistic view is that he said, look, I don't want to pick a fight with the teacher unions quite as clearly as Dan Patrick. I'm going to put members on this committee that I know will do whatever I tell them to do, which is Brad Buckley and Cody Harris, that if Greg Abbott and I tell them we need you to take one for the team and get school choice out of the committee, it's coming out of the committee, right? And so he gave himself 
power over the committee and made it more favorable to school choice. Whereas people like Ken King, who are on this committee, they absolutely will not vote for school choice, period. Right. So he had to put other members on that committee. I tend to fall in the optimistic view of Dade Phelan's appointments as to the uh, as opposed to the pessimistic view. And so that is my overall uh, perspective. Public health, which will oversee a lot of the transgender-related um, policies this session, continues to be chaired by Stephanie Click. We did an entire episode about how Stephanie Click used her position as chair to slow roll uh, gender modification legislation last session. The good news is she was called out for it. She almost lost her reelection because of it. And she's scared about this issue. She will push this issue much quicker this session. We're going to get something out of this session, but the question is, will we get something good as good as it possibly can be? But that committee will be where this stuff is wrestled. And so those will uh, happen. Bobby Guerra is a Democrat who's been given chairmanship over the resolutions calendar. And you might think, oh, well, resolutions doesn't really matter. But here's the reality. There's a lot of substantive resolutions that will get debated in the Texas House of Representatives. And we will talk to you about those as the session goes on. And there's really liberal resolutions that make it through the resolutions committee when you give Democrats power. The state affairs committee used to be bigger, a bigger deal under Strauss, but is still a huge major committee. Okay. Pure and simple. Huge major committee, used to be even bigger under Strauss. The State Affairs Committee is chaired by Todd Hunter, who uh, has been a part of Dave Phelan's leadership team for a long time. The the I think the one of the worst things about this committee is that Charlie Guerin was also put on the committee. He actually got it with his seniority. But Charlie Guerin being there basically makes himself and Todd Hunter the sole decision makers over whether anything moves. And if you need Charlie Guerin to be on board with your Republican policy, he's one of the most liberal Republicans in the state. This is not a helpful thing to have. So Charlie Guerin being on on state affairs is absolutely not helpful by any means. Um, Really, that covers a lot of the committees as a whole. Our big picture takeaway from these committees is that Democrats power was weakened because conservatives forced the issue and we are going to force the issue every single year, every single session. We are going to talk to you on this program about any Republican bills that are held up in these Democrat committees, the liberal policies that are allowed to advance through these Democrat chairmen. Okay. Um, but as a whole, Democrats were reduced in their power because representative Brian Slayton two years ago made this an issue, continued to force it to be an issue. And it doesn't matter how hard Dade Phelan works to get rid of it. It still is an issue. Republicans hold the power over all of the most substantive committees that will see the most substantive policy. So if it dies, it's Dade Phelan and his leadership team to blame. And these are the things that we continue to track. This is what we talk about. Democrat chairman is a symptom of a disease. The disease is a legislature that doesn't want to deliver conservative policy. The symptom is they gave away power to Democrats. They give all these chairmanships away. But you can take away the Democrat chairs and you still have a fundamental disease problem. And we are going to hope that this session shows us that the Texas House recognizes that it can't afford to kill all of this Republican policy and that Matt Rinaldi and the Republican Party of Texas and all that organized grassroots momentum across the state continues to force the hand on top of the fact that the Texas Senate is poised to pass a bunch of conservative policy. Very helpful. 
Very good. We will continue to bring to you the timeline of what happens. But the good news is the committees have been assigned, so now they can get to work. And the question for the next couple weeks is, do they? Do we see all these committees organizing this week or do some of them wait two, three weeks to even have their organizational meeting? We will see. God bless you and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.